0: Listen to this, John 17, 20 through 23. This is Jesus praying. He says, I do not pray for these alone, he's talking about his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Who's that? It's us. He's praying for us right here. Jesus is on earth, he's praying, he's praying for us and this is what he prays. That they all may be one, I've loved them as you have loved me. The world will know that Jesus was sent, that Jesus is God, that Jesus died and rose for people's sins if we love one another. That's what it says that if we are one and we love one another, it is a direct witness to the world that God sent Jesus Christ. That's the witness. Look, I like a lot of things. I like apologetics, which is where I talk about why we believe scripture and I talk about the problem of evil and I talk about why we should believe that God exists and And that's all great. That helps people with certain objections, but there is nothing more powerful than the oneness and unity of Christ's church, living, narrow road, right side up life, loving one another. No other thing is more powerful to draw those people who God loves to himself. Nothing. If you've ever wondered what your life should look like, what you should do as a follower of Jesus, this episode is for you. Here's Pastor David. It is a direct witness. Why? Because there is nothing in the world and in culture that looks like the love of God other than what can exist in the church. They will not find it. They might love their own kids. Like the people online, I'm not going to die for anybody. Or maybe i die for my best friend because he's really nice to me. Or maybe i die for my mom because she took care of me. That's the world's thing. The church's thing is and has always been, we will pour ourselves out for the world because Jesus loves them and because we're eternal. When people were sick in the Roman world in the first century, and their friends and their family and all the rest of them would run out of the town. Everybody left. You know who was pouring in? The Christians, the believers. They were pouring in because their love was vastly different, it was right side up. And they came and they cared for these idol worshiping, rebellious unbelievers because Jesus loved them. And many of them got the illness and died. It wasn't like they were all protected from the illness. The fallen world was still the fallen world, but the witness that they had spread because their love was a testimony and a witness that God had sent Jesus Christ. And that's who we have to be. Now, we have to love one another. Okay, we have to. And you cannot love one another and be a gossip or a drunk or a porn addict or a thief or a liar or an adulterer or even a jerk if you love one another. If we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as ourselves, look, we're just not going to sin. We're going to be something that the people in the world are going to look to. If we ask ourselves first, When we have something we've got to do, is what I'm doing loving God? Is what I'm doing loving my neighbor? If you can do that, you're gonna be living a narrow road life, a right side up life. That's just the way that it is. Now, I wanna tell you why I'm talking about all this and why this is so very important right now, right now, today, in the world. Because here's the deal people are breaking. People are breaking. Let me explain what I mean. I was listening to a podcast this week. It's called This Cultural Moment. It was turned on to it by a pastor that I had when I was in Tennessee, a good friend of mine, Um, and it's actually a guy in Portland. Uh, It's a collaboration of John Mark Comer, who's at Bridgetown Church in Portland, and Mark Sayers of Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. And these guys, they're discussing secularism, secularism in the Western world. Particularly in cities like Portland, Oregon, and Seattle, and London, and Melbourne, and San Francisco, and Los Angeles, and New York City. Which, by the way, one of those is our city. We are in the Portland metro area. We are living in the heart of Western secularism. That's the worldview that predominates. That's the worldview that is not only infecting our young people in a major way, but is affecting people at every age, and even affecting people in the church. That is the worldview. What's interesting about secularism is how it's affecting people and how people who have started to follow it are now reacting to it. Let me break down the secular worldview as quickly as I can because we're going to run out of time. Worldviews generally follow a structure, okay? They follow a structure, and the the structure is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. You probably recognize that because we've talked about it before, and it's certainly the Christian worldview. In the Christian worldview, creation is creation, right? God creates, he creates the, the earth, he creates man and woman, and he says it's very good, and they're in Eden, and it's very good, and God is with them, and they're one, and it's a good thing. And then what happens? We sin, and there's a fall. Now, for the secular worldview, they have a similar thing, except instead of the normal creation story that we have, they have this idea that when they were born, when they were first there, you know, babies, whatever, that they were innocent and perfect, that everything was right with the world. And for them, sin or the fall was what people did to them. Trauma, divorce, the expectations of their teachers or their peers, what you'd call externally placed identities by the world on them. Sin for them is things like commitment, like doing anything that they don't want to do, like doing anything that doesn't cause pleasure. That's the fall to them. That's people having oppressed and taken their perfect self and jacked it all up. Their inner child is now all oppressed. That's the fault of them. Now to us, redemption comes in Jesus Christ when he dies and rises again, defeating sin and death and hell and giving us the opportunity to serve him and follow him. But for them, redemption is something different. It's finding their inner child. It's becoming centered. It's getting away from all the things that they consider sin, like obligations, expectations, And moving into a place where they can just be them and be with themselves. That's why you will hear people say things like, I left my wife and got together with this lady because I needed to find myself. As though that was a redemptive act. Their adultery is redemptive. They went and found themselves. Or you might hear people say, I worked so hard all week. I just need to go camping this weekend and get back to me. Get back to being centered. That is redemption. And restoration for us is when God makes all things new. New heaven, new earth, new body, spiritual body, that whole thing. For them, restoration is when they fully find themselves. They become completely themselves. They create an identity for themselves that everybody loves, that's really their inner self, and they experience happiness all the time, which they define as pleasure, which is actually a very different thing than happiness. That's restoration. This is the secular worldview, okay? That's a very quick thing. On You can listen to that podcast if you want to hear them kind of walk through it. It is the quintessential Psalm 2 worldview. Let me read Psalm 2 for you, okay? First five verses. It says, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, that is Christ, saying, let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep displeasure. These, the the secular worldview says tradition Scripture, the Bible, God, all these things, they're shackles, they're chains. I need to break them and be free and totally autonomous and do whatever I want. And the response of God to that kind of a mindset is laughter because it is absurd to think that you can break the bonds of reality and morality. Now, here's the thing that's interesting. While these people are out there trying to break all these chains of responsibility, of submission, of anything difficult, of commitment, of morality, they're finding out that they can't. They're finding out that the Lord laughs at those who think that they can, that there is no salvation in doing whatever you want, because the truth is you're not perfect and going back to some perfection, that they are sinners who are broken and need a savior. And there is no joy, nor happiness, nor pleasure to be found in finding your inner child. They're finding this out. They flocked to this secular worldview, and now they're realizing the lie that's at the base of it, base of it all. It's a satanic lie. He's always a liar. There's no joy. There's no pleasure. There's no happiness in living completely for themselves. There's not some perfect version of themselves that they can find by rejecting authority and commitment and difficulty. And so where are they? They're sitting there going, my worldview is bankrupt. And they are ripe. They are ripe for the only truth that there really is in this world and on this earth, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're ripe for it. In our area, in the Northwest, people are beginning to understand that politicians won't save them. Do you know why political discourse has gotten how it is? Just crazy, right? Any of you that have been around for more than a few decades, remember when it was like, I don't say who I vote for, you don't say who you vote for, we all just kind of do our thing and whatever. Most politicians were relatively moderate, although both sides would still say, oh, this one's so liberal and this one's so... If you looked at what Republicans or Democrats did 30 years ago, they would all look very similar. Now, it's like, ah, right? On both sides. Why do you think that is? Because the only saviors that people have when they don't have Christ are their leaders. You're gonna protect me and make me safe and make the economy right and do whatever and so on and so forth. And if you're worried and you think that's the person that's gonna do it, well, you're gonna freak out when your person doesn't make it. And yay, when your person does. And there's this big battle. Why is that? That's secularism coming into its own. That's why you see it. They need it. They need saviors. There's only one savior, people. Regardless of what your Facebook feed says, there's one savior, Jesus Christ. That's it. And they're realizing that. They're realizing that more weed will not save them. They've legalized it. Smoke it up, baby. It ain't saving you. It ain't saving you. More sexual depravity won't save them. This whole creating identities thing, it's all connected to what you see. And you know, I'm not gonna get into transgenderism and pronouns and all this, but it's all connected to secularism. It's all connected to, I wanna create an identity that I get to make. And they're recognizing it doesn't work. And the statistics are coming out that shows it doesn't work. Even the good things that they care about and fight for won't save them. More social awareness won't save them. More recycling won't save them. None of these things are the thing that they're seeking for. Now is the time. Now is the time for the church to stand tall and tell them the most loving thing that we can only Jesus saves. Only Jesus will save them. They're broken, and we're Christ's church. They're broken. Our whole job, our whole mission is to go out and seek after the broken as Christ did. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in power and in truth. And for the person who's recognizing the brokenness of the worldview that they've bought into and the lies, there's nothing twice so powerful and amazing as the truth, but we have to be the people of God to bring the truth. We can't look just like them or they're gonna be like, I don't believe you. You look like me. Why would I think that trading in this one for the one that doesn't seem to be doing anything for you would be any better? We gotta be Christ's church. This is a special time to be Christ's church, to be a witness to his resurrection power in our lives. This is a special time. I'm telling you, the end has come for secularism and they will seek an answer. We're either going to be ready for it or we're not. According to the American Psychological Association, suicide has increased 33% since 1999. 99 to 2017, 33%. Suicide is a major, major, major problem in the Western world and in our country. It's now the second leading cause of death from 10 years old to 34, suicide. People are literally dying in despair when they recognize that the secular worldview won't save them. They're literally taking their lives. The statistics from 2008 to 2017 from the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention are here on the screen, okay? There it is, 2008, 2017. You can see which direction that goes. It goes up and up and up. It was already bad, I'm not even going back to 1999, which continues to go down that way. It's now that high. Okay, Now, here's the thing. According to Jeremiah Johnston in his book, Unimaginable, What Our World Would Be Like Without Christianity, he calls this an epidemic. He's not wrong. Let's look a little closer to home. Here's what the statistics for Washington State look like compared to the national average. We're higher. Let's add Oregon. Where is the secular worldview dominant? Washington, and Oregon. This is where we are. This is what happens when you find out that secularism is a lie and there's nobody there to love you and be in relationship with you and be in community with you and draw you into the love of Christ because we're too worried, all messed up with our own stuff. And we're not serious enough about it. We're not understanding it enough. This is what happens. People are scared. People are broken. People are dying. That's the fact. You know how many people go to the average church? About 186, average church. Median is about 75. There's half the churches in the country are less than 75, half or more. But because of a lot of the mega churches, average is 186. So I took that number times the 159 churches, give or take, that are in Clark County, and it gave us about 30,000 people will be in church this morning. In this county, I'm just talking about this county, I'm not going to Portland or anywhere else, about 30,000 people. The estimated size of the county, in 2018 was 481,857. How many people are needing Christ? How many people are struggling with a secular worldview around you and in your neighborhood? Just in Clark County, 450,000. Do we have a job to do? We have a job to do. We gotta live right side up. And we gotta be praying passionately for these people. We need to be able to be willing to live and to die for them. It needs to be our life. We can't just come here and enjoy being together. That's awesome, but we have to be on mission. There are 450,000 people in this county. I'm not even talking about Portland or the Northwest or the world. I showed you what the statistics look like just in the rest of our district. People are dying. We have the answer The only answer, you just got to ask yourself, who are you going to be? Because you know what else? People won't be drawn to the church unless they know that you're willing to live and die for it. That's what makes a worldview worthwhile and real and true. Let's ask God to transform us. Let's pray passionately, passionately for him to move for him to move in this place, in this county, in the Northwest, in the world. And let's let it start right here. We have some work to do, don't we? And it really starts in each of our hearts. And if you're one who needs help getting things right in your life, you have questions about all this, or you just need Jesus, please call us at 360-885-9000 we'd love to help you find peace, hope, and purpose. 360-885-9000. Thanks for listening, and we'll look for you next time for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.